This story, like so many stories, begins with a gift. The gift, like so many gifts, was a book. And the book was given to me by a man called Don, with whom I became friends in Beijing during the autumn and winter of 2000. Don and I were working as English literature teachers in a university on the west side of the city, Third Ring Road out. Our students were mostly the sons and daughters of high cadre officials. If you mentioned Tibet or Taiwan, thirty faces dipped to their desks. We taught our syllabus from a fat, crimson-jacketed anthology of English literature that reframed literary history. Chinese Communist Party style. Literature was functional, and its function was the advancement of the Maoist project. Wordsworth, the revolutionary, was included, but not Wordsworth, the late-life conservative. Oscar Wilde starred as socialist, but not as aesthete. Ezra Pound didn't make the cut, for obvious reasons. Thomas Hood's The Song of the Shirt was the most important Victorian poem. Teaching with the Big Red Book, as we nicknamed it, was hard work. It was easy to forget that literature might be there to thrill, perplex or amaze, rather than only to instruct. What kept me most honest was Don. Don turned sixty that year. He was from San Francisco. He was tall, just starting to stoop. He dressed Kerouac style, black jeans, black leather jackets and white t-shirts, pebble glasses, short grey hair standing up in spikes, small, sharp, wonky teeth, which you saw a lot of because Don talked so much and laughed so much. Fast rat-a-tat questions and answers, or long think-pieces spoken at several words a second, but without ever making you feel like he was taking more than his fair share of airtime. Don was from a blue-collar background in California, and had met poetry at the City Lights bookstore in his early twenties. It had changed his life. He'd heard Ginsberg read, he'd hung out with Ferlinghetti, He'd worked night school and then part-time at a state college to get a degree in literature as a mature student. But eventually he couldn't afford to live in California and teach the texts he loved. So he'd switched to Beijing, where accommodation came with the job, and the basics were cheap. I don't think I've ever known anyone with a higher voltage passion for books than Don. Literature wired him. When Don read, he crackled. In the days, Don and I did our best with the big red book and the cadre children. In the evenings, we drank beer laced with formaldehyde and talked writing. Don introduced me to dozens of authors of whom I cannot now imagine being innocent, among them Ed Abbey, Annie Dillard and Gary Snyder. We shared a love of classical Chinese poetry, Li Bai, Tu Fu, especially in translations by Pound and David Hinton. Although foreign books were difficult to come by in Beijing at that time, and expensive if you could find them, and although Don didn't have much money, he pressed volume after volume onto me, including his copy of Ferlinghetti's A Coney Island of the Mind, with its lit-up monochrome cover. Have it, he told me. You'll love it. You need to read it. You keep it. One day Don didn't show up for his classes. He'd been mugged the night before. He was found in an alley in a pool of blood, with a half-brick next to him and his wallet gone. I cut class and went straight to see him. His head had been shaved, and there was a linen bandage swaddling half his skull, stained with iodine. But he was smiling, and there was a book open by his bed. And he wanted me to read him Snyder's poem, Rip Rap, out loud. 
Lay down these words before your mind like rocks placed solid by hands. I left Beijing after two semesters and came back to Cambridge to start a PhD in Victorian literature. Don and I wrote often, sometimes by email, mostly by airmail. I missed his intensity. The seminar rooms of Cambridge felt prim and flat in comparison. We arranged that he'd come to England the next summer for a couple of weeks. I couldn't wait to see him. The visit didn't go to plan. I was struggling with my doctorate, paranoid about time. Don wanted to talk, walk, and read all day. I needed to study. He wanted to explore the bookshops of Cambridge, G. David's, the haunted bookshop, both tucked away on opposite sides of a medieval cemetery. But I felt obliged to put hours in at the university library, where I was tracking down obscure texts from the 1860s in the huge leather-backed folders that constituted the catalogue in that pre-digitised era. After five days, I suggested that Don head up to Edinburgh for a trip on his own. It was an astonishing city, I said, unmissable, the Paris of the North, etc. I researched bus times for him. I knew I was trying to move him on. I didn't know he knew I was trying to move him on. <laughs>